And welcome to the Totally Scottish Football Show. Guess what? We won't be slagging off referees in this podcast. Congratulations, Premiership officials. You've done slightly better this weekend. Unlike the champions, who are enduring their worst start in 20 years. Is the door wide open for another team to move in and win the Premiership? Could it be Rangers? Or Hearts? Or Hibs? Or Livingston? Or the other ones? It probably won't be Dundee. We'll unpick all the action from the SPFL. And it was the first round of the Scottish Cup. We'll be discussing a five-goal thriller featuring Gretna 2008. I'm JJ Bull from The Telegraph, in the hot seat this week. Andrew Slavin is away, but don't worry. To make sure he won't be missed, I have built a robot in his image. I have called it Slavebot. And this week is probably going to be the best podcast yet. Isn't that right, Slavebot? I agree. But in case the robot malfunctions, we've brought in our old friend, European football journalist, and Scotland is still a part of Europe. It's Kieran Canning. You know where else is part of Europe? Birmingham, where on Saturday, this happened. And it comes to McGinn! Oh, what a goal! John McGinn with a blockbuster! That is sensational! That is John McGinn scoring for Aston Villa against Sheffield Wednesday in the Championship. Hoof! He broke Twitter, and he broke Celtic fans' hearts a little bit more. Not since Scott McDonald has a Celtic fan done more to hurt other Celtic fans. I have to explain Scott McDonald now, and that's because he scored a goal that did a thing. What was it, Kieran? Two goals. He scored two goals against Celtic on the what used to be known as Helicopter Sundays. And given the way the league's going this season, actually, we might we might see a return to the, the glory days of Helicopter Sundays. I'm glad Jason Cummings isn't around at the moment because I can imagine that would have a whole different meaning. <laughs> uh, but yeah, McDonald scored twice against Celtic when they thought they were going to win the league and they didn't because Muddle beat Celtic and Rangers won the league many moons ago before he then actually ended up playing for Celtic that John McGinn goal where it has already been sort of compared to the Ruben Neves one did you see like the one from last season oh, last where season. he yeah, fucks yeah. it up and volleys it into the, uh, the top corner to be fair I mean I have watched it about maybe 50 times already the McGinn goal I don't think I'd be able to hit a ball like that. <laughs> it's incredible. It's all three factors of he's taken it out there on, on the volley. It does the Roberto Carlos kind of swerve on the outside it of the does, post and yeah. comes back in. And it hits the underside of the bar to go in. Incredible. I do remember someone saying to me before he moved to Villa that there were scouts that reckoned he was a better player than Jack Grealish. And the the money that Villa were, uh, were wanting from Spurs for Grealish compared to what they paid for him again. And from what I've seen of them so far this season, McGinn looks like the better player. You can hear more about that goal on the Totally Football League show with Caroline Barker on Tuesday. Have you seen John McGinn on FIFA 19? Oh, it's wonderful, isn't it? Do you think that in FIFA they just have like a sort of Scottish setting where they automatically <laughs> add on yeah. like three more stone? It's like, he, uh, you look at the picture, he's like, he can't possibly be that skinny. Looks like someone you've definitely seen in the background of a photo and Greg's is there somewhere. <laughs> Biffy Clyro there, famous Kilmarnock fans, allegedly. Any excuse for a bit of Biffy? 
It got worse for Brendan Rodgers on Sunday, with former Celtic youth team player Stuart Findlay scoring an injury time winner for Kilmarnock against the champions at Rugby Park. 2-1 to Kilmarnock, two defeats in six Scottish Premiership games for Celtic. They only lost four in the whole of last season. First, let's get a Killy perspective. We're joined now by David Wren from the Kilmarnock Standard and the Killy Edition podcast. What do you make of that game then? It was a great surprise, uh, to be honest, which might come as a surprise to you guys, but it was certainly... I think there's a quite confidence in Kilmarnock that you know they could get some from yesterday's game, and I thought over the over the piece they were pretty good and, and probably deserved the win. It was interesting that Boyd stayed on the bench for the full ninety minutes. There seems to be a bit more uh, bit more movement up front now. You've got Stewart and uh, Brophy. Brophy. Uh, it's uh, it's a bit of a change this season. I think Kelly was a pretty tough run. Me Aberdeen. Hibs and and Celtic sort of three in a row there. So when you go into these games, I think you need a bit more legs up front. Um, and obviously, Brophy and Stewart give Kelly that at the moment. So I wouldn't be surprised if if Boydie returns to the team this this weekend when they when they play Motherwell. I think he's still got a part to play, but certainly in, in the bigger games, I think it suits them to have runners up front rather than you know Boyd, who's more of a focal point goal scorer type. It makes them a lot less predictable. I think it's like Killy look quite good on the counter, especially. And when they have the ball in the opposition half, they can create a bit more because those boys make a lot of runs off the ball. And, into spaces. and, and they're quite mm-hmm. comfortable giving possession to the the opposition and sort of sitting back and being very compact as they were yesterday yeah. and, and then breaking out. Stewart has been something else. I think running in the final third, it seems to be able to just go past people at the moment. I think both players offer a bit of pressing up front as well. I think especially against Celtic where. You know, defence, um, particularly when the boy Hendry plays, seems to not quite have the solidity to it maybe like. So having two players that are going to press the, the defence worked a wee bit better. And I think with Brophy and um, Stuart, you're, you're going to get that. There was a lot of space, I thought, Celtic left, Killy. They didn't really have a, an awful lot of possession in the midfield. And Killy would have to break far more easily than I've seen against Celtic in previous seasons. Killy seemed to just have lost that sort of respect for any other teams in the league in the sense that they don't seem to care how they play the approach of the game you know the same and, and really trying to get to their opponents which is to be admired and I think there's a lot of teams you know Hibs being one of them um, Hearts now as well that, are, that aren't really being overawed by taking on the old firm and are really going for the result rather than just hoping to take maybe something from the game so yeah it's, it's, it's a bit better down at Rugby Park now that clubs are probably fearing coming to Kilmarnock which certainly hasn't been the case for many years now So Kelly managed to get the win Last minute, a header, more poor marking in the box, more uh, exceptional defending from from Jack Henry. Jack as Henry, as, as yeah. Mentioned earlier. Let's talk about Jack Henry because he came back into the team here with the last goal, for example. You can you can strip it down, you know. But uh, Kieran Tierney misses his header at the the front of the six yard box, which you can't do. I don't know why he's misread it. Maybe he's tired into the game. I think with Tierney and there's a myriad of problems for Celtic at the moment, and you would think Tierney obviously isn't one of them, but actually the general level around him is so low, particularly going forward, he's trying so hard to create something himself. He's so young, why is he having to carry? And he's, he's then ending up knackered in the last 10-15 minutes of matches because, particularly when we're going to talk about this, but like when he's playing with like Sinclair in front of him who, who got a start yesterday and didn't do anything again before coming off, he's, he's like almost the only, the only outlet on that side and then on the other side... Keep having to go with uh, with Lustig, who seems to get worse and worse every <laughs> week. So there's no there's no obvious you know, attacking outlet from the on the right hand side. Hendry wouldn't have played yesterday had Benkovic got uh, injured in the in the warm up. So Hendry was kind of was, rushed back into action. It's but, a strange yeah. team, isn't it? 
I know he's resting them because they played in Europe during the week and they got um, well, a decent result. That's a good 1-0 win, Rosenberg. So that's a good result to come off of. But he's changed a lot of his team and he did it so often with Liverpool, changing so many players after European games. I don't think they have the squad depth that they've had in previous seasons. Scott Sinclair has started. Sinclair almost reflects, I think, the way Celtic have gone this last season. Do you know, he's just not performing at the level. It's yeah, from, from, from Rodgers' first season yeah. to, to now. But the thing with the, 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 the squad depth is they have plenty of players, but they just don't have enough players making an impact. Good like, enough for level. That's, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. When you yeah. compare it, like, and this, so Rodgers for the first time now is really coming under pressure to kind of prove himself. He's got again. to do something different to win games now. Right, but and and in the past couple of seasons when they've gone into Europe and been thrashed by your PSGs and Bayerns and stuff, he's pointed out the the financial disparity. But I mean, this week Celtic really like they had broken the hundred million mark for the first time in terms of revenue. Right, and that their wage bill went up to fifty nine million. Kamarnock's entire revenue, not just their wage bill for the the squads last season, was five point one million. So I don't think you can have uh, any excuses. I mean, talk about like squad depth, like in Rogers' time there, and yes, he has the argument that you know he hasn't been backed enough. But just like taking a note of the players that are still in the squad that have been signed since he's been there. So obviously Dembele's gone. Bain, Isagiri, Hendry, Sinclair, Gamboa, Arzani, Hayes, Morgan, and Cham, Devries, Malumbo, Benkovic, Komper, and Abui Kwasi, of which and Cham's done pretty well, and you can say Sinclair's first season. But no one else out of that list has has really made an impact. So I think it's it is time for uh, for Rogers to prove that he's he is as good as as people in Scotland have thought he has been for the past couple of seasons. I mean, I don't think there's any need to overreact and say he's not a fantastic manager. And you know, clearly he has known what he's doing. And I think the problem he's got is um, that question of how you keep champions freshened up. Something that so many managers managers in the past have struggled with, like uh, Sir Alex Ferguson, always would freshen up and put new players in, even if they wouldn't get in the first team because it gives you competition for places. These boys have won two trebles in a row. Can't be hugely enticing going for. I mean, you, they want to win, but can yeah, be I easy think that, that whole idea of, of freshening things up, and that's I mean, that's what Rogers has complained about in the summer that they haven't built on a position of of strength when they do have the sort of finances there. I mean, I suppose we talked about McGinn at the start of the the pods and that's the that's the classic example that that deal was there to be done they didn't do it they delayed thought they could get him on the cheap lost out and that's happened with quite a few deals and now they're sort of paying the consequences for it but no I think it's interesting to see how he tries and turns things around and what you're saying the Rosenberg thing one now we can look at it and say yeah okay it was it was a good result but the performance very much looked as if it was just going to be playing itself out to nil-nil. And it was a late goal that got it as and, well. And yeah. the way that Rodgers likes to play to keep the ball on the ground and pass the ball and stuff, but it was so slow against Rosenberg and against Kamarnock yesterday, and the goal they got against Rosenberg was by Boyata staying up from a corner and getting a knockdown. That's it. So they're not playing the way they used to. They're, the movement is lacking in midfield, especially. So they had Yusuf Malumbu came in, obviously he was okay, but he was dropping really deep. And play like alongside Brown, so the two of them sort of sitting side by side. You don't need double pivot against Kamarnik. And the thing with during the sort of early part of the season, the Champions League qualifiers and stuff, and Boyata not playing and things, there was a lot of focus on on defence and how how poor the defence was. Hmm. But actually, until yesterday, they kept four clean sheets in a row. It's going forward at the moment. There's no there's no creativity. People like Rogic aren't playing well. I think he scored six goals in six games in the league, which I mean, for Celtic is an incredibly uh, small number. So, yeah, I think that's the, the, the side of the game that, that they need to need to work on. 
And he's, it's almost as if Rodgers doesn't really know himself because he's kind of throwing guys in. Like Christie got a start yesterday. Yeah. Um, he's playing at 10, but he's keeping things as a second striker. And it's, it's, there was no lone link between them and the striker, and I thought yesterday. Uh, Lewis Morgan came on for the first time, sort of out of nowhere. Uh, Tony Hayes didn't get on. Yeah. Yeah, Hayes doesn't seem anywhere, anywhere near things at the moment. So yeah, big test and a big big week because I mean Rogers hasn't lost a, a cup game yet, so going to St Johnson on Wednesday is going to be difficult. And then uh, be okay, they? Aberdeen at home next weekend. And they'll be okay. Aberdeen at home, they'll be fine because you know they always be Aberdeen. Well, Aberdeen won't turn up, yeah. So that'll exactly. be an easy win for Celtic. Well, I think we've covered Celtic pretty comprehensively, wouldn't you agree, Slavebot? I agree. <laughs> ah, you see, that's just a pretty face. You're listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show. The next game I'm going to talk about is Dundee nil, Hibernian three. No, Gretna called Gretna 2008. Are Dundee now called Dundee nil? <laughs> I like it. That's solid. That's a solid joke. I've written in my notes. You saw my notes earlier. All I've written the first thing is absolute pish. Yeah, <laughs> I, that's, that's I been generous. I mean, I, I would say I can't believe Neil McCann's still in the job, and um, I don't think it's very nice to ever when people are just saying people should get sacked. You know, it's a real person with a, a job, but. There are no signs of coming good. I've I've seen occasionally people write down, um, usually on forums, you know, fan forums, saying that Dundee played good football. But I don't know if they've really watched enough of the, the games. None of the fans seem to think they're doing particularly well. A strange thing that happened in this game is this: they're six defeat out of six, um, and they're at home. Maddie Anger, who I thought looked semi decent at the start of the season, he went down in the box, and it looked like a penalty to me first look. But um, the referee booked him straight away. He was hooked at half time. And I wonder whether that had anything to do with... I mean, that's, you know, conjecture. I'm making this up. I'm speculating. But that's weird that that's happened. Hibbs had... Uh, <laughs> Hibbs had 17 shots. Guess how many Dundee had? Two. <laughs> I was going to guess one. At, at home. <laughs> one on target. What's happening? But to be fair, I think that at least... You know, we quite often say when a manager's under pressure that the reason they, they stay in the job is because who else are you going to get? Who else is out there? Dundee have a ready-made replacement already in the squad. Well, Kenny Miller, he can come back. He can continue on his uh, banter year season <laughs> by taking over another uh, player management role. I mean, everyone's called it when he came in. It's two-year deal as well, which is kind of odd. But I don't know how how you fix this for for Dundee because he put another another new defensive lineup in. So the back four is different again. He played Calvin Miller at left back, who was excellent when he and like someone is a sub. I can't remember who against, but he was excellent then on the left, getting forward. But it turns out he's not particularly good at defending his left back role. He's dead young, so he was caught out for one of the goals by going too forward, not sensing the danger, and uh, Hibbs getting for I think that was the second goal that Martin Boyle scored. Very good goal. Yeah, really well taken, isn't it? Good finish. Camberry uh, scores by getting a non-goal and, and putting it round the keeper, and then <laughs> Innes, the centre back for Dundee, chases it like it's in slow motion, like he's stuck, like Neil McCann's got a lead on him. Hibbs again, I and mean, for all that Dundee were pretty immense, great fun. I was going to say, they're fun, they're good to watch. And since the start of the year, Hibs and Kilmarnock have more points than anyone in the whole division. And Hibs have played a game less than Kilmarnock. So that is a great stat. It is, so it's not just a... You know, it's, it's something that's that's got quite a, a large number of games behind it. And the fact that they, although they lost some important players in the summer, like obviously McGinn and McGeoch, but getting Canberry in, they seem to have loads of, loads of attacking options. Mm-hmm. If they can get the defence right... I mean, there's a lot of focus on Hearts and how they've started the season, but there's no reason why 
Hibs shouldn't be up there contesting top three, four places either. Totally agree. If Hibs are on, I like watching them. It'll be interesting to see if uh, Whitaker keeps getting played. I know a lot of people, especially Hibs fans, believe he may not be quite top six level now. But these sorts of players are important to set a, a standard. It'll be interesting to see again. I know they, they drew in the same fixture a couple of weeks ago. But seeing them go up against Aberdeen this week and arguably the pick of the, the ties. Of yeah, the, definitely. The it's on Tuesday, it, isn't it? It's chalk and cheese, isn't it? Because it's, you know, Aberdeen are quite dull and don't concede very many goals and don't score very many goals. Mm-hmm. Whereas Hibs uh, are far more entertaining to watch. I think um, that'll be a really good way to find out what level both these teams yes, are at. Exactly. And I, I think they kind of might cancel each other out a wee bit. And, I mean, it's a big opportunity for them because I think, particularly Hibs, but maybe Aberdeen as well. We'll see if they can last out for over 38 games, but given how the league has started, there's no reason why Hibs, Aberdeen, Hearts shouldn't be targeting it as a as a great chance to win a cup because it, we've seen so far in, in one-off games that everyone's beatable. It's Tavernieres, 1-0. Alfredo Morelos turns away from Shaughnessy and scores. It's 2-0. It's off field and it is 3-0. And Lafferty, 4-0. And Daniel Candias seals the deal for Rangers. It's five against St Johnston. What a fantastic few days it's been for Rangers. An incredible result in the Europa League last week, twice coming from behind to draw 2 all at Villarreal. And then Steven Gerrard's men smashed St Johnston 5-1 on Sunday to go second in the Scottish Premiership. We are joined now by Johnny McFarlane from the Daily Record and the Record Rangers podcast. Hello. Hi, pleased to be on. Good, I'm glad. So you should be. <laughs> um, so, uh, Jeddard has said that Rangers are trying to play the Rangers way. What is the Rangers way? Well, that's an interesting question. I think every club has its own DNA and it's not always necessarily something that's obvious and stated. I would say someone like Celtic, they have a DNA of fast attacking football, of players like Jimmy Johnson. Um, Hibs are maybe a little bit similar. Uh, club like Hearts, club like Rangers, they have a different DNA. And, and for Rangers, it's always about hard work. It's about perspiration more than inspiration. That's the first thing the fans are looking for. You only have to look at the, the club's greatest of our player. It's not Paul Gascoigne or Brian Loudrup, one of the f- great flair players. It's John Gregg a player of real hardiness, of, of character, who, who worked his backside off and made the absolute most of his talents. So I think that's what Gerard's talking about, creating a team that really work hard, that stand up to the, the expectations of the Rangers fans, which can be very, very difficult for, for players to cope with because Rangers fans have high expectations. And you also have to, as a Rangers player, accept that every week you're going into a cup final because the opposite team always want to bring you down a peg or two. It's the same, obviously, at Celtic. But what that means is that you have players who, who on an average week, are pretty average. A, a good example would be Gil Bagiramara. If I think I pronounced that correctly. You might want to correct me if I haven't. <laughs> I think uh, you're right, Motherwell, yeah. who looked, He looked fantastic uh, against Rangers in the 3-3 game, and I've seen him since, and he's, he's gone back to kind of average because... You know, the focus is on, the cameras are there, and the players rise above their, their station a little bit, I think, when they play Rangers. So you need to have that strength of character to be a, a Rangers player, and I think that's what Gerard's getting at. He needs a team that, that every week will, will turn up and, and, and meet the demands of the, the supporters. They're doing that just now. They look really organised. Um, I've, be, I've been really impressed, actually. Yeah, and going, and going forward, now scored more goals than anyone else. And, and like watching the game against Villarreal, 
uh, and I saw Gerard talking about it afterwards that you think there's still just one sort of next step is is just believing in themselves that that they are as good as as they've shown so far this this season because if you compare it for example like the Celtic game were early on against Villarreal they seem more vulnerable when they just sort of sit back and let the other team dominate but when they actually take the bull by the horns and try and impose themselves they've looked really good and really dangerous yeah, that's that's absolutely the case. I think um, against Celtic, there was maybe a, a caveat, which was that they'd just come back from an 8,000-mile round trip to Russia um, just over 48 hours before, and I think that would have impacted on Gerard's decision-making for that game. It was, it was strategy um, as well, but, wasn't but it? It was trying not to lose the game first and foremost, I think. It was a, as a difficult game to play after that, yeah. It, it certainly wasn't ideal, that situation. Um, but Rangers, I, I do agree, when they're, when they're pressed high up the pitch and they're, they're putting pressure on teams, they do look a lot better, and I think that's what Gerard will want to see. Morelos and Lafferty both scored again at, at the weekend. Do you see going forward, are they going to play more together, do you think? Or will it always just be sort of one central striker and, and playing a 4-3-3? I, I think the days of two strikers, um, unless it's in a 3-5-2, a sort of 3-4-3 type hybrid formation uh, it's pretty much gone I think you might see G- uh, Lafferty and Morelos playing together if, if Lafferty's playing off the left mm. I think that's something that could happen I, I suppose um, if they re-adopt the 3-5-2 the that they played against Motherwell which was which actually Lafferty and Morelos were playing directly up front together as a partnership, which is pretty unusual in modern football. That that could be something that you could see. Given that Rangers don't have a lot of depth in that position, I think it's more likely you'll see the, the two strikers rotate. And it seems to me that Gerard uh, is more of a fan of one up front, which would keep him in line with, I think, modern European football and the thinking of most coaches. Gerard, I've keen to point out as well, before the international break, there had been a very hard run of fixtures in the league, so Aberdeen away, Motherwell away, Celtic away. And now having those two home games back-to-back, racking up nine goals. Do you think the, the chances there now going to, to Livingston on Sunday to, to build up a lot of momentum here at home as well in the Cup in the next few Yeah, I, I think so. I think that was always a bit disingenuous, that start. There was, uh, it was jumped upon by people with agendas, I would say, largely, and, and it was um, propagated and, and, and pushed out there. It was just a bit silly. Um, I think for people who'd watched a lot of Rangers and watched all their European games, it was just very, very obvious that Steven Gerrard had made a massive difference and now they've got a run of, of winnable games they've got Air United in the Cup obviously on Wednesday and as you say going into Livingston uh, they've got a chance to really get, build up some steam what I would say is I was at Tynecastle on Saturday and anyone that thinking Livingston are going to be um, steamrollered have another thing coming they, they will absolutely not go down I'll say that put my head on the chopping block for that I, I was very impressed with them at Tynecastle they're a robust physical team and they can also play a bit and uh, I think they'll cause Rangers some problems because uh, they won't lie down for anyone. Is this the year? <laughs> <sighs> no, I don't think anyone uh, with any sense would make that kind of uh, judgment call at this stage. What I would say, though, is at the moment, at this juncture in time, Celtic do have a third season dick advocate feel about them, uh, going back to sort of 2001, when he'd won the first five trophies out of six and, and was going into the third season with, with a huge momentum. Martin O'Neill obviously came in and completely turned things around and there was a swing of something like 40 points from one season to the next. And and Rogers just has that under-pressure feel about him just now. It's just Celtic just seem to be so flat in comparison to where they've been in previous years. But if you're a betting man, let's be honest, I don't think anyone would bet against Brendan Rogers, a manager of his calibre, 
turning that around. Um, and until we get, uh, I think, maybe another couple of months into the season, I don't think anybody will be making any big predictions about Rangers. Steven Gerrard's already accomplished something approaching a miracle with what he's done with Rangers, when you consider how far they were behind. And at this time last year, they'd been pumped out of Europe by the fourth best team in Luxembourg. And this year, they're going to Spain and getting a creditable draw against the fifth best team in Spain. That is pretty good going. And I think that's enough to keep us going for the moment. St Johnston, who have been all right this season, but... I think when they were, I think 3-0 down, they just sort of stopped playing. You can see the heads went a wee bit. They made quite a lot of changes, but they seem very dependent on Tony Watt to score goals. Mm-hmm. And if he's not doing it, then I mean, he didn't, he didn't get a huge number of chances um, at the weekend. But that, I think that was the first time they've, they've really been caught out massively in a, in a defensive sense. I think St. Johnson are kind of caught in that position where they're not going to go down because they're not nearly as bad as a... Dundee or St Mirren and they're better than Hamilton and they'll hope to catch up and overtake someone like Livingston but given that the sort of top end of the league seems stronger this year you know Hearts Rangers, Hibs Celtic There's Aberdeen, no room for them is there? and if Kamarnock are doing well as well then yeah. getting in the top six is difficult That's it and and the thing uh, related to Rangers in this game as well I think there's a bit of fear factor about Rangers back and uh, especially going to Ibrox and teams are, are apprehensive and worried and Rangers are at a higher level than they have been and uh, that you could see them panicking for a lot of the I goals. I think that, that result is a lot more impressive than you might actually think. To come back off a, a European game, as good a result as they got, it, it, they did have to do a lot of chasing the ball. And it shows the strength and depth that they've got now as well. Yeah, to I, go I, I, I think it's a turning point in the season. I think that's that's them established now as a proper... Well, that's the, that's the first time the since they came back into the, the top tier that they've moved ahead of Celtic in points. So... We'll see what happens. It's happening, that. but that's uh, I think that's that's potentially quite important because I think after the the game a couple of weeks ago, I remember writing a piece and talking about how the fact that for all the Rangers had a good start to the season, and Celtic hadn't had a good start. Celtic were already four points ahead, and that could be quite difficult to claw back. And in the space of two games, Rangers are now ahead. So exciting, Slavebot. Uh, do you think Rangers are going to win the league this year? I, I think you're wrong there. Oh well, Slavebot's called it. You're listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show. Let's go and talk about Livingston. So they drew 0-0 with Hearts. Hearts still top of the table. Looking awfully tidy. Livingston also look pretty tidy. They're a... They're, <laughs> it's a lot of direct balls. They're winning a lot of second balls. But when they get it into the final third, they can tap it around. Like, they're not just a mince and tatties hoof. No, if you take if you take the league table from when Kenny Miller left, they're joint top with Hearts. Yeah. So Gary Holt, four games, three wins and a draw at Tynecastle, which is always decent. I think they've only conceded one goal in those four games as well. So you can see that where their strength lies. They're very hard to beat, as Johnny was saying earlier on as well. I think it'll be really interesting to see how they go against Rangers on, on Sunday. Because I think especially... At Livingston, where the pitch, as we know, is is not the best, they'll make it really, really difficult for Rangers. And if they get another result there, I mean, I think the teams at the bottom of the table, when we talk about Dundee, um, but St Mirren as well, Hamilton maybe as well, they saw Livingston coming up as this could be a, a trump card for us because the, the team that had won back-to-back promotions didn't have a huge amount of money behind them, got off to a terrible start with, with Miller obviously leaving. 
as a team that would be down there at the, at the bottom of the bottom of the league mm-hmm. and how they've turned it around. And I know there's been a lot of talk about how their style can be quite route one and quite They, they even say that though, they don't mind saying that. Yeah. But at the weekend, they actually played a bit more played a bit more football. Obviously, they got a bit lucky, hearts at the post and the bar and missed the penalty or the penalty was saved. But no, this is very, very By the impressive. way, that was a very, very impressive save because that ball was hit low to the bottom left. Like, Nate Smith got a bit of, you know, a bit of power on it as well. The way the penalty came about, I would say, is kind of controversial. Stephen McLean definitely is... He's looking for the, the connection to go down. I think it is probably a penalty. I don't want to do too much on ref watch this week because we laid into them last week. However, there was one moment that I think is very pertinent to talk about because um, it's off the back of the incredibly inconsistent way that the SFA likes to regulate things. So Scott Robinson, I don't know if you've noticed this, you saw this instant where he goes in with this... I think it's disgraceful, like a proper hard-on aggressive challenge, um, quite similar to what Kenny Miller got sent off for last week playing for Dundee. But he goes into a challenge on it was Peter um, Haring that got um, chopped, takes him out in the ankle, and honestly, it could be a it could be a straight red. Now the referee shows a yellow, so he's seen it, but it's a thing that Hearts profited in a couple of a few weeks ago against Kilmarnock because yeah. when you know Dicker got, sent, Dick off. got sent off, right, with no. Aggression, it made me a bit out of control. That was Willie Colm, though. <laughs> well, I mean, was special. <laughs> no, but I, th- I do think there's a... Do you know what I mean, though? I mean, that's the inconsistency, I think right? there's a genuine problem uh, in Scottish football with what has happened so far this season. A lot of people think they can get away with almost anything. That The way the Scottish referees seem to have interpreted this new directive from UEFA seems to be completely different to anywhere else in Europe. And it encourages people to put in really nasty dangerous challenges do you think though I don't think it encourages them to I just think that's one of those you get folk like that in playing football and he just looked way too fired but up if you know if you know that you're not going to get sent off or there's a high probability you're not going to get sent off for it or even retrospectively cited for it yeah. then I, it's weird like if that was in Europe he's off he's gone yeah exactly you know and I don't see why it should be any different in the um... I don't think we help I mean, we know this is a long debate in terms of like pitches and all that kind of stuff but I don't think we help ourselves a lot of the time in terms of trying to develop our football playing ability when we allow people to get halves without retribution and <laughs> play on terrible yeah. pitches yeah I mean Hearts nil living nil seems, I think that's probably a fair result I think Hearts missed a lot of chances Livy were good for it Hearts have a, a tough run in coming in now. This could be the making of them. If they get through the next few fixtures, they play Motherwell in the Cup, they've got St Johnston, kind of tough. Rangers away. Then they've got Aberdeen at home. I mean, Dundee's a gimme, but... Uh, you know, that's, that's... I don't know. Kenny Miller's Dundee might be flying by that point. <laughs> but now, even with Livingston, I think like, if, even if they do now go on a run for the, they don't pick up a huge number of points, they'll at least got themselves that sort of bank of points to, to rely on that are going to keep them out of danger at least for the next couple of months. Let's look around the grounds now. It's our man, ours, remember, ours, our man Neil White with the latest from the Championship, League One and League Two. Hello, everybody. Let's start in the Championship. Air United are back on top. They won 2-0 at Alloa and Lawrence Shanklin scored goals number 14 and 15 this season. The first was a peach of a volley on the run and he made the second himself, taking it past two defenders before finishing low from just inside the box. The army of scouts looking at Shankland grows by the week. Ross County and Venice Cali Thistle couldn't come up with a goal between them and Dingwall. That allowed Ayr to move past County at the top of the table and Dundee United to split the Highland teams in third. United did that with a 2-0 win at Falkirk, who are now the only team in Scotland without a single point this season. More on that in a bit. 
Friend of the pod, Stephen Doby, scored number 21 of the season for Queen of the South to start a slugfest at Fir Hill. Partick Thistle twice came from behind to win 3-2. The last four goals came in nine first-half minutes, ending with a 25-yard volley from Blair Spittle. In the other game in the Championship, a big error by Dunfermline keeper Lee Robeson cost them two points at Morton. League One and our both moved four points clear at the top after a comeback win at bottom club Stennis Muir. The leaders had to score twice in the last half hour, the late winner coming from sub Ryan McCord two minutes after he came off the bench for top scorer Bobby Lynn, quite a substitution. Wraith Rovers lost further ground by drawing 1-1 at home to Montrose. That might be enough to nudge Wraith into making a permanent managerial appointment this week. The day's only other winners were East Fife, who moved level with Airdrie in third after a 2-0 win at Stranraer. In League 2, the top four all won, and that's great. But hey everybody, Albion Rovers didn't lose at football, and that's the first time this has happened in 12 games. It could have been even better, Lewis McClear had them in front with 10 minutes to go at Cowden Beath until Jordan Sheeran killed their buzz just a little. From the top then, Edinburgh City made it 6 wins in 7, 2-0 at Queen's Park. Peterhead, a two-back after their favourite Rory McAllister, scored the only goal against Berwick. Clyde put four past Elgin, who ended up a man light after Rabin Omar was sent off. And Annan won 2-1 at Stirling. That's League 2, no change here. Colin Patterson, the editor of the East Kilbride News, is going to every Scottish ground, a different venue every weekend. And this weekend he went to Radial Park in Gretna for some Scottish Cup action. A five-goal thriller. Tell us about it. It was a good game. Um, two goals in league clubs. It was the first round proper of the Scottish Cup. Um, so it's a special day for, for clubs at Lowland League and, and Highland League level. Um, and a big, big win for um, for Gretna IFC 2008. Um, firstly, because they got through to the second round and will now play Berwick Rangers of League Two um, at that stage. But um, they can make at least £9,000 in prize money now uh, from their run in the competition. And, um, you know, when you, when you look around the surroundings and you see how many supporters they get, you know how much um, that will mean, mean to the club going forward. That's not an insignificant amount of money. That you know, that level that pays for a lot of stuff. That's going to help. Absolutely. I was speaking to the chief executive uh, Stuart Rome before the game, and uh, he's one of these kind of club men. He lives a hundred meters from the ground, so probably when he opens his bedroom curtains in the morning, he probably sees the the big stand at the at, at one end of the ground. So he, he must feel like he's never away from the place. But um, he was saying that Storm Alley had, had, had blown over a fence in the corner, so. Um, unless you can find a, a joiner um, who can put that back up for free, um, that's the sort of thing that, that needs to be dealt with. And whilst I imagine the club will have bigger things to think about with their, with their cup prize money, um, I suppose it's something that helps them um, cope with uh, bills and little bits of setbacks like that. On your uh, your road trip around, around the country, how many grounds are you hoping to take in in total? Well, I'm, I'm going to do it for the full season. So um, I think there's another one, obviously... Eight, eight, eight or so months left of the of the season, so I should be able, I should be able to to visit um, all of the clubs out with the out with the Premiership. Um, it's a it's a feature for clubs out with top flight, um, and so there's thirty. 
30 clubs in the Championship, League 1 and League 2, um, and the intention would be to try and get round every single one of them uh, before the end of the season. So I'm off to a decent start. Um, hopefully going to try and fit in a few more non-league grounds in as well. You've obviously got the juniors um, in, in Scottish football, which attract big crowds, and there's some really terrific venues um, you know, and some some really historical clubs there. So I'd like to think by the middle of May, after the playoffs, um, I'll have done the full thirty outside the top flight. Anyone who's done an accumulator or quite a lot who've played football manager over the years, people will remember Gretna from about twelve years ago when Kenny Duker was banging the goals in. For anyone who doesn't know, can you explain what happened? Why do they cease to be? What happened to Gretna? Yeah, well, one of the reasons why um, I wanted to start the, the Scottish Cup run as I suppose you could say um, at Gretna was because it is 12 years since the since the original Radio Park Club got to the final and, and lost to Hearts on penalties two years later they were they were placed into administration and then liquidation Brooks Milson who was the benefactor um, the, the funding was withdrawn um, around halfway through the Premier League season when they played matches at, at Fir Park because Radio wasn't SPL compliant and so basically the second half of that season was a was a complete disaster. I think Gretna still hold the record for lowest Premier League attendance. You know, they, they were comfortably relegated at the end of the season and when it became apparent that they there was no guarantee that they could fulfil their fixtures, the SFL at the time said that they would have to start in what was the third division, what's now League Two, rather than play in the, the first division, what is now the championship. And they couldn't find a buyer and as a result the, the whole thing was wound up but a Phoenix club was created and they were admitted to the East of Scotland League that summer and um, the Chief Executive Stuart Rome told me on, on Saturday, perhaps unsurprisingly, that had they not been given the green light at that point he doesn't think football in Gretna would have continued to exist so it was a real quick turnaround for them. Gretna are now what they used to be in the Unibond League um, in England. Um, they had small crowds, but you know they were a, a well thought of club, and um, you know, they had the odd day in the sun with the FA Cup. I remember if you go onto YouTube, you can see highlights of a game against Rochdale um, in, in the FA Cup um, at Radio Park. So they've kind of gone back to to how it used to be, and. Consolidation is the is the name of the game at, um, in the Lowland League this season. So, of course, one of the main sources of income for Gretna 2008 now will be the uh, the food they sell at the stadium. Now, I'd imagine as part of your <laughs> tour, you'll be able to sample a few delights. So, Scottish cuisine from around the grounds. What's the best um, pie you've had? What what's grounds got the best pie so far you've had? Well, of the of the seven or eight grounds that I've been to so far, I think uh, Race Rovers has probably been the has probably been the best. In fact, Race Rovers and Falkirk, I wouldn't split them up. Um, I'm a bit of a steak pie man rather okay, than a yeah. scotch pie man, so I always go for the steak pie option if it's there. Um, the advice I gave yeah. to readers um, if they're going to have a pie at Race is to make sure that they wait five minutes before tucking into it because if they don't um, they're going to need treatment for burns on their <laughs> lips because the gravy is, um, is enough to incinerate them. Um but no, it's a, a very tasty offering and um, I don't feel guilty about getting a pie at the football anymore because I'm doing it for work reasons and um, and that's great. Um, but you, you also see some, you know, every, every club seems to have their own little um, 
Quirk on the menu um, At Falkirk On the opening day of the season Because it was so hot You could buy an ice lolly If you wanted to Never seen that At a football ground before <laughs> But on Saturday At Gretna There was a note In the window Saying microchips Available Oh my and god I haven't seen Microchips for Years and years And years And I, I, I did decline I just settled for a, a scotch pie And a cup of tea But um I thought to myself, microchips. Now there's a there's a blast from the past. Do you think the microchips have been hanging around since old Gretna were still going? You know, they've, they've, dust, they've, they've dusted them off. The 90s, <laughs> yeah. a bump Quite pack. possibly. You're listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show. Lovely ball from McGinn. That's James Wilson. That is one nothing. Home debut, a first start for Aberdeen, and a first goal for Aberdeen. For the second week in a row, one of our podcast panel went to see the Premier League's most exciting team, Motherwell. <laughs> How did they do, JJ? Um, they they lost 1-0 to, to Aberdeen. I was at the game. Uh, James Wilson decided it with, in real life, it looked like um, Motherwell had just made a total mess of their defending. But having watched the replay back, it's one of the best through balls Neil McGinn has ever played. Inside the fullback and the centre back, James Wilson makes a great run, thanks to Sam Cosgrove dropping deep, taking the centre back away. He has space, and his finish is just fantastic. And to be honest, that I think that game is pretty much a draw. They both cancel each other out. Motherwell more of the game, but Aberdeen the better chances. Wilson's obviously had his injury problems, like both in his career and since he came to, to Aberdeen. Do yeah. you reckon he is the striker they need to propel them forward? Uh, Derek McKinnis certainly seems to think so. I mean. They really need something to work up front because that's the big problem at the moment is that defensively they look okay. They look organised, they look ready, they anticipate danger well, but this shape they're playing just now is a 4-2-4 and there's no midfield. So it was Don Ball, who is a centre-back or a, right, a terrible right-back, but he was playing defensive midfield, and Graham Shinney, who is basically like having a B on the pitch. <laughs> so, <laughs> And he will get booked. But uh, so the thing is, Shinny might not be the best footballer of all time, but the team is completely different when he's in there. Like night and day, when he plays in that Aberdeen team, they are a couple of levels above actually what they actually are. If he were to go, they'd be just ruined. It's like an avatar for McInnes on the pitch, that hard-working, ball-winning um, captain. You can hear him during the game. He's shouting like, "Well done, Shay!" To Shay Logan, he's doing something decent. And uh, you can hear him shouting, and it, you can it tell. sounds like an encouraging parent from the Hello, side. Hello, come on now, guys. <laughs> I tell you what, I'll tell you this for free, right? Gary Mackay Stephen was amazing. He how, he was just running rings around defenders. Do you think they pulled the old Gary Mackay Stephen out the lake? Because <laughs> since that happened, he seems to be uh, back back to his, his old self. Maybe the Clyde has. Ma- I mean, <laughs> I don't think any of you should jump into the Clyde. But maybe it has magical powers. Yeah, that's why. I just want to pull you up on something you said earlier on as well yeah. about the uh, one of the best through balls in the career, which shows that you clearly didn't watch his uh, fantastic three months in South Korea. <laughs> no, he's come back and he's. Uh, how do I say this um, in a nice way? A more rounded player. <laughs> yeah. There we go. I think he can. Um, he, I think he can cut off some of the roundness. He's getting better every every game. Stephen Robinson came out after the game and he sort of said similar to I think what I've said that they were. It was it was kind of a draw of a game, and uh, they lacked something maybe in the final third. I think that was where they're missing out. You keep saying it on this podcast. They just have units and they, they hit yeah, the ball. They don't, they don't have a Louis Moult type. Thing. They have 
big guys that they can lump it into, but they don't have someone who's that, got that sort of yeah touch of quality to. to it's really physical, but off. then teams adjust to them. So uh, McInnes played um, Andy Constant at left back rather than Max Lowe, so you get a bit of height. And there was just what, not enough about Motherwell, and I think even though Aberdeen are lacking intensity, is the the problem this season. I think there's a real they've dropped a couple of levels doing a bit of a Scott Sinclair. They're just not at the level they should be. It'll come together, I think, but I'm not sure the shape is going to take them through to being second in the league this season on current form. Mother will be interesting if they play Hearts in the Cup in midweek, and they were obviously the Cup specialists last season. Mm. So it'll be a good test for well, both where they are, and, and if Hearts really are as good as we, we think they are, if they can break them down. I think Hearts probably will wheel too. I think they've got a bit more going forward just now. I agree, I think that'll be a tough one for both. Uh, of course, another team we should mention is uh, Hamilton, who pretty much pumped St Mirren 3-0. That's a big result as well because they should both probably be looking for. Yeah, exactly. But what I was talking about earlier with with Livingston and, and teams down the bottom would have been looking at them as, you know, some a, a team that might save them. And Hamilton seem to every season just have enough to stay up. To they're always in that sort of you know ninth, tenth in the table kind mm. of region. But every year people tip them to go down because they don't have much of a budget. But this season, particularly with the way Dundee are going and St Mirren from from Saturday's evidence look like much worse teams I think there are positives though for St Mirren and I think the problem was the goals they conceded were kind of scrappy once the, the second had gone in I think the heads went a wee bit but talking about when say, Muddle like a, a Louis Moult figure I'm not saying he's, he's as good as this but with Hamilton at least with uh, Mikael Miller they seem to have a goal scorer yes I think he scored six already this season so he got he got two didn't he he got two at the weekend yeah, yeah. one was a penalty one was a penalty the other one was a very good finish from outside the box he's come from non-league right so yeah. it's just one of these players that's taking his chance I've not seen the whole game, but from the extended highlights, he's looked exciting. He was moving between the lines well. I think he can burst away from a man. He has good close control when he's running. Yeah, it's the kind of player that, that teams like Hamilton have to... I mean, Hamilton have kind of been known for, for bringing guys through their academy, and that's been very successful for them, the, the McCarthy, MacArthur's of, of the world. But they also have to pick up guys like that and see the potential in them. Um, and improve them if they're if they're going to keep staying in the top division. Someone else in Hamilton. Um, I mean, there's not much more to say other than that. Team and get done, and they'll have to be better, mm-hmm. which I'm sure they will get. New managers come in. I can't think it'll be much worse than they were under Stubbs. Hamilton Ackies are playing in the UEFA Youth League because they won the the Youth League last season, not the UEFA one, but they won the domestic one. So they're playing in the Champions League. And they're playing against um, uh, Basel FC Basel. Would you believe they've got a good academy? They've got a really good academy. Like for a couple of those resources, and I think it's it's it has had such a such good success that players now look to go there because they think that one the work they're doing and the the youth levels is, is strong enough. But also, if they're good enough, they'll get their chance to play in the first team. They'll get they'll get proper first team experience, and then that's a, a shop window to to move on. As we've seen with, with Aberdeen, <laughs> I think I actually look behind the scenes at Hamilton's Youth um, Academy, and what they've done is they've built, they've they funneled water from the Clyde <laughs> under <laughs> through known as known as the the, the Mackay Stephen system, the Mackay Stephen River they call it, and they just put any youth player that comes through, they dip him in as long as they can, and when they like reach out through the water, so they come out, and then they're just good at football, and uh, that's how Hamilton. The tunnel is also to keep them away from the Hamilton Palace, but that's a. That's a local joke. That's a good solid joke, isn't it, Slavebot? I agree! Thanks for that, Slavebot. Well, before we go, 
As you mentioned, the Betfred Cup quarterfinals are this midweek. So Hibsby Aberdeen uh, is probably the most exciting of them all. Uh, I don't know why I said it like that. Hearts versus Motherwell is tough to call. But, I mean, Hearts could rest players and keep up their Scottish Premiership title bid. But I suspect they'll go for it because you've got to win that cup, right? Yeah, exactly. It's a great chance for them to win a cup. St Johnston, um, I think, could get something out of Celtic. Maybe a draw. Either Celtic are going to come back and hammer them into the ground or Celtic are going to come back and pump Aberdeen next week. I think the latter is more like... I think Celtic probably get there in the end, but maybe extra time. Uh, it's dangerous predicting these things, isn't it? Because we look like idiots when they're wrong. Ah, we look like idiots anyway. That's uh, true, yeah. I think Ayr had a great run, but Rangers will thrash them, I think. Rangers versus Ayr United. I, think, I don't know. I think um, they'll be a bit... What's the word? Not cocky, but they'll feel... Happy going into that. I mean, Ibrox is not, you know, the most easy place to go just now. It's become something of a fortress under Stephen Gerrard. I don't know. We'll see. But if we, I mean, I would reckon Hearts, Hibs, Celtic, Rangers. And if you get those four through, we could have some cracking semi-finals. All I hope for is some wonderful football. Well, actually, it's another story, which is, again shows the um, the madness of Scottish football. Have you seen that if Celtic and Rangers get through and avoid each other, one of them will have to play a semi-final on the Saturday, having played Europa League on the Thursday. <laughs> so, if you're a Hearts, Hibs, Aberdeen, Motherwell, and that is a possibility, it's this extra motivation to think this year is a possibility to win a cup. That is another good fact. And on that, we have to end on a good fact. So, uh, thanks for listening. Thanks to our producer, Charlie. You have no idea how difficult his job is to edit this together. We'll be back next Monday after last season's top two go head-to-head. It's Celtic versus Aberdeen. And we'll speak to you then. You've been listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddykneesmedia.com and make sure you check out our other football podcasts, the Totally Football League Show with Caroline Barker and, of course, the Totally Football Show with James Richardson. Yeah.